2: Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it
1: delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at
0: BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of the Tennis and Bagels podcast. This is me, your host, Funch. And today joining me, we have a, a special guest. Someone who's not been on this podcast before. And his name is Miles David. Miles uh, is quite the tennis content creator on YouTube, as well as uh, Twitter, and as well as he's got a podcast. It's called Tuned Into Tennis. So you should definitely check that out. And Miles is here with me to preview the 2023 Australian Open Women's Singles Draw. So I'm really excited to have him here. Miles, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. I have been listening to the Tennis and Bagels podcast for. A while now, and I'm a fan of your work. I'm a fan of uh your like excellent statistical knowledge about tennis, especially from what I see on Twitter. I've always been like just enamored with that, so I appreciate you having me on, and I'm excited to talk about the Australian Open. I think it's my second favorite slam, so I'm always excited when it comes around.
0: yeah, I appreciate those kind words i I really look forward to the Australian Open uh every year just because I feel like you know a lot of the players are coming fresh usually off of uh off of a short off season that we have in tennis um obviously some niggling injuries um and you never quite know what to expect but at the same time I do find that it's quite less uh upset prone and the seeds tend to do quite well here um just generally speaking if you look at you know quarterfinals onwards from previous years it seems like most of the top seeds usually live up to the billing Obviously, you have a few um, names here or there that really do surprise. But um, in general, I think this women's draw, there's, there's quite a lot to like here.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty uh, – I'm from the era of Australian Open women's draws where Serena Williams wins every odd year. So <laughs> <laughs> there hasn't – there haven't been – not that I can think of off the top of my head, there haven't been too many surprise women champions. There have been a couple more that have uh, seeped in on the men's side. But the women's side – if it's not necessarily somebody you thought was going to win, it's somebody who's been like around um, and in the conversation to do so. So I'm excited to see what happens in that regard this year.
0: Great. Yeah, uh, I guess um, right away, if we if we sort of just go quarter by quarter and we look at the ego Fiante mm-hmm. quarter, Shvantech um, obviously won two majors last year, went on a 37 match winning streak um is going to be the clear favorite no matter what after everything she accomplished last year. However, there is just there's uh quite this is quite a tricky section uh, right away opening with Julian Neymar. What what were your thoughts when you sort of looked at her 16th or 8th of the draw? Um quite deep, right?
1: Yeah, it's a interesting section for a number 1 seed to be uh kind of surrounded by players who on paper kind of give me dangerous or uh Yield or exclamation point vibes when I see their name. Um, although I do caution myself just because even when I've had times like that, uh, and even in early 2022 that I thought, oh, so we gotta take might be in trouble. She kind of made a fool out of me. So, um, the names that that pop out obviously is the first round, Jewel Niemeyer, just because they had a pretty hard contested match in the third or fourth round of the US Open.
2: Correct, Third fourth
0: round, round. Fourth round, uh, fourth I round. believe Neymar was up a set in a break. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: She put in she put in some hard work in that match, and she also got to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. So she's one of those players that uh kind of, you know, was stung the most from not having points at Wimbledon 2022. So maybe she's not necessarily playing at her correct seating or ranking, I should say. But um it's something to keep an eye on. I'm not necessarily sure I put Swiatek on the upset alert. Uh, kind of window, but interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if he drops a set. I'll say that.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. I think uh, it's a challenging start, obviously against a you know a big hitter on a fast hard court like this. I hear it's playing you know sort of medium to fast. Uh, they're using those you know Dunlop balls that they've been using throughout the whole season, and those are you know pretty light, and they you can generally hit through the court pretty well with them. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how how Shiantic looks kind of early on. Especially after um, Jessica Pegula, you know, beat her for the first time last week, uh, quite handily. But um, if we just look at her section, I mean, she's got Osorio most most likely next. And then you got you know Andrescu and Buscova. Well, you know, are there any sort of first round matches that really stand out to you apart from Niemeyer and Sviantek? For me, obviously, I have uh, circled Andrescu and Buscova.
1: So I'm looking further down in that same section of the draw that she's in. That could possibly be somebody to meet her in the fourth round. And that could be uh 22 seed and Wimbledon champion Rabakina. And then also there's some couple of other names that just, I want to throw out there. There's the highest seed in that bottom section. That is if seeds hold, that would be the fourth round matchup. Daniel Collins, who beat her in the semifinals last year, pretty soundly, especially in that second set. Um, and then there's also somebody that i didn't like notice was in that section until i took a really good glance just right now is uh i believe her first name is carolina Mu- carolina mukova yep. yeah i haven't seen her name in like uh you know big tournament draws yet or recently i should say but i believe she's made a quarterfinal here before in 2021.
0: Yeah, that's right. No, she she made she made it even further. Semis, actually. semifinal,
1: semifinal. And yeah,
0: she beat uh she beat Ash Barty and she had that uh you know abdominal injury. She left the court and Ash Barty really kind of was overcome by nerves in that match. And then you know she played that spectacular. I mean, it was a really good semifinal between her and Jennifer Brady. And so mm-hmm. I'd really love to see those two you know come back and contend for these big titles again because Mukova, I mean, she's such a crafty player the way she constructs those points, the variety that she has, the slice backhand, just very smooth watch overall. I just, you know, I she just hasn't been able to sustain a good amount of momentum and stay fit and play several tournaments in a row. But she's always, uh, she's really fun to watch. And I remember last year, she was getting on quite a roll. She beat uh, Sakari at the French Open, had a good win over Layla Fernandez in Miami. And you thought, okay, she's starting to pick up momentum. But then the next round after the uh, Sakari upset, she got injured again and had to pull out against uh, or retire in the middle of the match against, uh, any I believe it was. So, um, but I, I really would love to see her. I mean, she's playing, she's got, I think a reasonably winnable first round. And then she had probably yeah. has to play Danielle Collins, which, uh,
1: Sign me up I- for that. Yeah. Sign yeah. me up for Mukova and Daniel Collins. I think I'd like to watch that if I was on the yeah. grounds, that seems like it would be, you know, I mean, no disrespect to the players, but that seems like it might be a, uh, outside court match. So, yeah, I definitely cool. I would try to be as close as I could to the court for that one.
0: Yeah, I'd d- definitely go there and see that. Uh, but, you know, is there anyone you see potentially like, uh, you know, getting to the fourth round? Do you still, I, I mean, I still have ego getting to the fourth round in this. Yeah.
1: I- I think it'll be good. I think it's good for women's tennis if she can kind of fight through that early round battle. And then maybe if she gets to, if I, maybe you should put it the other way around, if Andrescu gets to Swiatek, cause she is the unseated player. um, I'd like to see that. I mean, those are two young guns. I think both of them are bo- are both under 22 years old. Both have grand slams. I'd like to see that. I just don't see anybody really, truly, knocking her off her way, especially on a hard court that she's had success on just last last year. I'm kind of hoping to see a rematch of the semifinal in the fourth round between Collins and Swiatek.
0: Yeah, for sure. And even the third round rematch between her and Rubakina. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I believe they already played this year and Rubakina won that in in three sets. That's interesting. Um, But yeah, I I agree with you. I I definitely want to see that Chiantek-Collins fourth round Rematch, especially after last year. But uh, looking further down the section, I mean, her potential quarterfinal is Coco Goff, and obviously, Shvantek, you know, has owned that head-to-head recently, five and zero. And Goff doesn't seem to be getting any closer. Obviously, I mean, it's just a really bad matchup for her, just in general, with the absorbing the pace on the forehand wing, especially, and uh, just really, yeah, just uh, troublesome for her. And in that regards, I think Iga is a little bit relieved that it's not Arena Sabalenka or. You know, some some of the other big hitters. Like I, I guess you wouldn't play Garcia in the quarters, but um, you know, for for golf here, I think uh, it's a tricky first round against Ciniakova. Uh, that's that's not someone you want to face early on for sure.
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily a popcorn match just because my eyes aren't drawn to it when I see the draw, but. When I look a little deeper into it, I realize that I've seen them play before relatively recently at the Billie Jean King Cup. And Sinyakov yeah. actually got that win, uh, especially pretty comfortable in the second set. So I think that Coco should actually come out pretty sharp because she has motivation to win that match like the last time they played she lost she has extra motivation and then beyond that first round match, there's a possibility that she could face Um radakhanu might not make it that far based off of some current health issues with her ankle and even if she does make it to that second round match and it's a radakhanu versus golf matchup i still give the edge to golf just because i feel like she has more form and confidence at the moment so
0: yeah, I uh, I would definitely agree. I think based on the form. I mean, obviously she's won that title, uh, and in that title she had to face, uh, you know, she she faced actually a actually pretty stern test in Sofia Kenin, who's coming back and playing some some really good tennis. And a lot of people were saying, oh, that's such a soft draw. You know, she lost twenty two games and all that. But I'm like, no, no. I mean, she she was pushed against Kennan, and that that could have gone either way. So, uh, and yeah, uh, you know, on the Siniakovo match, I think she's three and one in that head to head. And but the last one, Billie Jean King Cup, end of the season, you know, really tired. Uh, you know, successful season for her. So I kind of throw that a little bit out of the window, but uh, it's good to see. Uh, it would be really nice to see her play Raducanu and obviously you have Zhang in that uh, sense, uh, you know, in that section or that 32nd of that draw. So mm-hmm. I would love to see a uh, potential Zhang against either Goff or Raducanu, but...
1: They had a pretty good match at the US Open, Zhang and Goff. I want to say it was the third or fourth round, maybe possibly fourth Wait, round.
0: No, no, this league. is the, this is Wen. Um, oh, so not Zhang
1: Shuai. Okay. Now actually yeah. I would like to see that as well too. Because both of them are, are what sub twenty-one possibly? Right. I mean, I think that's that bodes well for women's tennis. Um and she has a really big game. So yeah, I would definitely sign up to watch uh Kenwin Jing and Coco in that third round. But just above Kenwen, like in that upper section, that could be a fourth round opponent opponent for golf. Like we talked about it briefly before we hopped on the pod, but Badosa pulling out with (laughs) that injury definitely opens up some opportunity. The next highest seed in that little section is 17 seed Ostapenko, who plays Strumska first round. The winner of that matchup, I mean, I'm sure tennis players try not to look too far at draws, but if you're checking the draw post Badosa's retirement, or uh, withdrawal, I should say, that matchup now looks way more important because both of those have Ostapenko more so than Yastrzemski, but both of them have both of them have experience going deep in majors, whereas the rest of those names in that draw don't really. So interesting, yeah,
0: yeah for sure. And then you also have, um, I think, Katie McNally. I mean, she was supposed to play Vadosa, and mm-hmm. now and now she it looks like she could maybe get to the third round. I mean, if she plays well, it's um, it's looks like it could be a good opportunity for someone there to break through. I mean, uh, Ostapenko is probably the favorite on paper to get out of that section. But you really from, never know but, with
1: Dostapenko. <laughs> but you just
0: never know. I was just going to say, it's like, I mean, the difference between her peak and <laughs> her average level, it's quite, there's quite a variance there, let's just say. So, Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, but I mean, who do you have in the quarterfinals? I guess if we just look at the Goff and Chiantek section, are you going for anyone different?
1: No, I mean, I think I, I try my best not to play it safe, but I do think I'll go with, uh, the seeds holding in Swiatek and golf meeting in that quarterfinal, just because I want to see, even if I'm, I'm a huge Coco fan, but even if she loses that matchup, I want to see like where her form, confidence and progression of what she worked on in the off scene has actually gotten her. And uh, there's no better test and litmus test than playing the number one player in the world. So I kind of want to see what she, what she feels like goes up, going up against Swiatek. Even if the head head isn't favoring her at all, you know.
0: Yeah, interesting. I also just can't really trust anyone else really in this section, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the seeds as well. <laughs> no disagreement from me there so far. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess if we if we go down and we look at the bottom half of the, uh, yeah, uh, the bottom quarter of the first half, I guess, with the Pagula section in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously Pagula is coming in with such great form, right? I mean, having gone four and one at the United Cup. You know, playing such an instrumental role in helping the U.S. win the inaugural edition, and I, I look at her draw and it's like it's a pretty reasonably good one. I mean, I mean she does have potentially anisimova who had a very good tournament last year, a pretty good year in general when she was healthy, and then you also have names like Krajikova and always, always dangerous Kovitova. and so you know I would this this, this is this is going to be a really good test for Pagula because for the first time I really feel like eyes are on her and she has that sort of expectation of getting to the semifinals of this tournament at least and potentially playing Svantec again. So I'm curious to see how she sort of handles that mentally. She's usually very sort of buttoned up and pretty uh, pretty sure of herself and confident um, and, you know, goes on and does her, does her job professionally. So I'm curious to see, especially, I mean, Brenda Frubertova, I mean, what a story that was, qualifying. Uh, coming, so dramatic.
1: You know, <laughs> Every so single many. match. And all three of her matches, I feel yes. like, maybe insane comebacks. I mean, she was... <laughs>
0: She was down and out in 15 years of age. It's um, it's impressive to see her there for sure.
1: And also another qualifier is I don't remember her first name, so I'm just going to use. Well, you know what? The the beauty of the internet. I should probably click on it. Yep. Polina. I would have guessed correctly. Polina Kudermatova, the younger sister yep. of top 10 player Veronica Kudermatova. This is her first grand slam first time in qualifying and she made it through. So, I mean, there has to be some level of confidence that you feel from kind of knocking off those achievements, achievements off your resume. So I wouldn't be surprised if she puts up a fight and gets to the third round Um That'd be a good story, especially like another sister, another sister, sister story on the WTA tour. Yes. Um, But actually when it comes to Pagula, I think she's a wonderful player. She does very, very, very little wrong on the tennis court, but just off the heels of the U.S. Open, when I kind of thought that she would be the person lifting the trophy, I felt like she was calm enough to kind of weather the New York storm, if you will. But Swiatek, undersold herself before that tournament started and said she didn't like the ball. So I didn't really think that Swiatek would win. I thought Pagula would. So this go around, I'm being a little bit more cautious. And I know she had like the great performance at the United Cup against Swiatek. And I know she's performed well here before, but I see some other names in that section that and that'll not maybe stop her from getting to the fourth round, but definitely stop her from getting into the quarters.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point you make there. I mean, obviously you have... What five qualifiers in this section? I mean, I gotta mm-hmm. think that's the most qualifiers in any section.
1: Ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize it. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's, that's crazy. And then you also
0: you also have a wild card in there, uh, Gudecki, and mm-hmm. she's she's being mentored by Ashbardi, actually. So this is that. Oh wow, that is a first round match. I, I hadn't had circled before, but now I'm looking. Now I'm looking at it. That'll be pretty interesting. Matova's sister against you know someone being mentored by. I mean, Olivia Gudecki. I've I've definitely heard of her and seen her name in draws, but I don't know too much about her. Um, me
1: either. I have to look that up now because now I'm interested to see what her game looks like if Ash Barty got her attention.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the other thing that stands out in this section is, my goodness, the checks are coming, right? I mean, you have, <laughs> <laughs> you also have Krachikova playing against Belgic. I, 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 forgive me if I pronounced that incorrectly, but, you know, uh, she played this match against Alicia Parks, I think, in qualies. And Parks, uh, you know, had such a good finish to last year and really kind of halved her ranking at the end. And it just... And
1: should have been qualified. I mean, quote-unquote, yeah. should have been main draw based off of those results, but the cutoff just didn't work in right. her favor.
0: Yeah, that was unfortunate for her. And I think she she uh, just didn't play a good match in that uh, qualies match. I think she had some amazing, like, 35 winners, but then hit, like, 70 on four-stars, and it just... It, yeah. it was a bummer. But I think but I think she's uh, she's got the tools, and I still believe in Parks to do some really big things this year. But, you know, just looking at it, I think the main contenders that uh pagula definitely has to worry about i would say three are like anisimova kavitova and kritikova those are the three that sort of stand out to me because if any of those three players are playing you know at their peak sustained tennis for a long time especially i mean if kavitova just comes out there and just blasts winners on set points down and just you know plays redlining tennis and just shows absolutely no fear it's like there's not much, who can stop like, that yeah <laughs> what they do about it so it's uh and same I with, with Krajikova as well, the form yeah. that she had at the end of last year. I don't think she's looked too great in these tune-ups, but um, I don't think that matters. I think she's got enough matches in, and she's such a you know instinctual player as it is, and so complete that uh, she could always show up at any point in time.
1: is actually the name that I'm looking at to make it through this section. Something about it, I might be completely off-base, but something about her name is giving me good energy, because she's in a section that's benefiting the most from qualifiers and wild cards. So she has on paper, the best ability to kind of work her way through the draw and then face somebody like a Kavitova. And I love Kavitova. I modeled some of my personal attendance playing around her. She's a lefty. She hits big and kind of doesn't worry too much about the errors and plays aggressive, but it's hard to trust her. You know, Kvitova was one of those players I root for like the closer they get to the title, but in the, beginning i'm kind of like let's just see what she does so i'm i'm (laughs) I'm hoping that the the two do meet up but i'm I'm leaning towards krajikova making out of this section and she's also a defending quarter finalist so she also feels comfortable in australia on on those courts so it'd be interesting to see what happens
0: yeah very much so i mean krajikova is a really good pick uh to get out i you know i i'm just hesitating a little bit on her just because you know I, i still have faith in her but i just wonder like is she ready is Is something, you know, is is she going to have that consistent level? Like, just kind of with Andrescu as well, it's like, I have no doubt that they'll get there with enough matches and enough reps, but I just don't know if they're ready like quite yet. So I kind of hesitate a little bit, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Like, you know, Kritiko making the quarters would not shock me in the slightest. And maybe in the semis, if we could get a potential rematch with Mm -hmm. her, like, that would be wonderful. I mean, especially after the. Ostrava final, one of the matches. That was a
1: really good match. Yeah. Really, really good match.
0: Um, but yeah, I'm gonna be boring again. I'm gonna have to go with Pagula again. <laughs> I'm just being boring today. I'm just nah, she's
1: playing time. well. There's nothing boring in that. She's definitely playing well in and, and, and is playing like a number three player in the world for sure.
0: Yeah, and then of course we have the the section below. and the section below, the thing that stands out is obviously you have Kenan a Azarenka against each other, the only two females in this entire quarter were previous Australian open winners and they have to go up against each other. It's...
1: I think they're the two they're the only two winners in the entire women's singles draw actually. Correct and of correct. course they yeah. just they just go head to head in the first round. Um, But Kenan hot take is actually who I've been circling as somebody to make a really good resurgence this year. I definitely see her. Maybe I shouldn't say definitely, but I have a feeling that she's going to get at least back to the top 50 in the world by the end of the year, if not better than that. I think she's only, she has very little, very few points to defend almost anywhere. And I yes. think she's won as many matches this year as she won in the, to- in the totality of 2022. So she's definitely improving, and I know I kind of get a good vibe that she's going to show up ready to fight against Azarenka, but their head-to-head is interesting because I want to say the last time they played in Rome of 2020, which was in the pandemic year and not in its normal uh, slot, she got double bageled by Azarenka, but that was on clay. Mm -hmm. So
0: And then she went and made the French Open final.
2: Right,
0: (laughs) (laughs) so that was that was that was absolutely quite something, and I think she's made made the semifinals of Hobart, which is her first semifinal, Mm -hmm. the first one since 2020, Roland Garros. So it's been crazy that's that that is ridiculous to think about, but I mean, she's only 23, like it's right, uh, or I guess 24 now, but that's you know, yeah, she's young, but it's well, I mean, she's already won a slam and made a slam made another slam finals, There's not many other players who can say that. So, um, But, you know, I also circle Madison Keys here because she tends to do Same. really well in Australia. Like, I mean, I remember when she pushed Serena in 2015, I think it was, and then obviously last year she had that great run to the semis before Ash Barty really kind of took her apart. But that is uh, that's going to be interesting. And obviously she went 5-0 and at the United Cup. Didn't always face the sternness of tests, but, uh, you know, usually passed them with, with flying colors most of the time. So um i i look at her and then i just i look at some other players in this i mean sakuri as well but i wonder if she's sort of conquered some of her demons but i'm really just kind of not seeing her getting past the fourth round for some reason i just don't have much in her
1: i'd love to see her conquer some of the demons and like a lot of people know me as a sakuri fan just because i'm i'm intrigued by how much she lets us into what is she's struggling with like with the pressure and being a top elite player um but I, I have to admit, I see Keys getting out of this section really comfortably just because like on paper, she shouldn't have too many problems getting to at least the third round. And then once you have kind of felt that groove, she's a groove player. So, I mean, the sky is the limit. I, I, I know she hasn't reached her potential all the way and like gotten a Grand Slam uh, championship under her belt, but I have a good feeling. I have a good feeling about it. Something about the camaraderie she probably felt at the United Cup mixed with, you know, being back in the top 10, She because of those results, she snuck into the top 10 and got the number 10 seed here. So, you know, I think she's feeling good.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally feel the same way as well. Like, I, I, you know, it's strange for me to say this, but she's definitely the most reliable in this. Yep. She feels like <laughs> that. I mean, at least based on everything you said and also just the just the kind of. Because when she's feeling well, and she's sort of one of those confident players, a confidence-based players, that when she gets like, yeah, I mean, when she's five, six matches in a row, the deeper she goes in the draw, at least before the final, the more dangerous I feel like she gets. Unless she has a real foil, like a, like a Barty or a Serena, or you know, someone. It really takes someone of that caliber, or like a slow mm-hmm. Stephens, a red-hot one at the U.S. Open when they played. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to go with Keys and Pagula as well, and I think I have Pagula coming out of that match and facing uh Fiontech, if we just look at that top half
1: i'm i'm going keys cry Chicova. going with the K's. all
0: right <laughs> yeah i like it i like it it's it's exactly the contrast we need to be honest <laughs> so uh but yeah i guess we with that we, we should go to the bottom half and uh, okay. obviously that kicks off with uh, kazakina's quarter the number eight seed, and obviously her potential round of 16 is Kudor Matova as well. I actually really like this draw for Kudor Matova. I mean, quietly she's been winning a lot, getting a lot of ranking points, just, you know, usually benefited by a withdrawal here or there (laughs) in most tournaments. Speaking
1: Uh, of withdrawal, have they played, now that we're like having this conversation, have they played the final of the Adelaide WTA 500 yet? Because I I know the semifinals were a complete bust with withdrawals.
0: I think that Benchage Kazaki now matches probably about to start actually any minute.
1: Oh, but, okay, cool, cool, cool.
0: But um yeah, so I'll definitely have my eye on that as well. Benchage is someone else who just wins so many five hundreds and does so well in the tour, but just you know, hasn't done well in this majors outside of Wimbledon. It's really quite something actually. But and still she's it feels like she's been around forever, but she's only twenty five.
1: So. I know, right?
0: Yeah. She has a
1: win over she has a win over Serena in twenty fifteen, yeah. which is almost ten years ago. <laughs> like that's crazy. Right.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, I you know, I look at this section, I'm like, you know, this is a good draw, like, for some, for someone, like, yeah, I mean, Matova I like her chances to get out of this, um, especially given, yeah, like, just her first two rounds seem quite win- winnable, and then she's got Zhang, who can be somewhat tricky, and you have to play a certain level of bitch as well, but uh, I definitely think if she's healthy, she probably gets out of there. Um, there's a few, I, I think this is maybe the least interesting section, to be honest. Section.
1: Definitely getting, definitely getting uh, those vibes. If it's not <laughs> Kuda that makes through this entire section, something about Casakina and Grand Slams yeah. feels a little, um, not that she hasn't proven herself that she can go deep into one, but I kind of have to see it to believe it. One of those things. I don't really write it on paper. Um.
0: Yeah, and it does yeah. kind of worry me that she's playing the final this week. I say that because I remember she's, the US she's Open, done that before. Yeah, <laughs> the US Open, she won in Cleveland, I want to say, and she, yeah, she won that title and then she lost to Harriet Dart in the first round. I mean, yep, that was that was tricky. She was like one of the first few seats to go out.
1: Head scratcher. Uh,
0: but, but yeah, like I, I guess we'll move on to a more interesting section. That's I will say
1: of- though, but before we move on, uh, the name Petra Martic is yep. right there looking at me and somehow she always finds her way into a part of the draw where she can make some noise. And you're like, hmm, this makes total sense why she has been as high as like, what, top 25? You know, mm-hmm. she's she's typically a, a player that's seated anywhere between 25 and 32. And she's unfortunately not seated here. But like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if she kind of finagles her way into the later round of the tournament. This is kind of what she yeah. does.
0: <laughs> she is quite tricky, man, with that backhand <laughs> slice and Just, uh, you know, can pull the trigger on the forehand down the line. And she just, she like, when she gets it going, I mean, uh, yeah, I remember, like, watching her at the French Open in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I think last year at the U.S. Open, she really took apart Paula Bedosa. And I was just like, okay. I was at
1: that match. Yeah, that was court 17, I believe. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, Forgot about that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the other other interesting section, I mean, this is far more interesting for me. Fernandez and Corne and Garcia in that one section. I mean, my goodness, and you also have, um, yeah, players like Townsend. Good to see her back, uh, you know, playing, and looks like she she can actually win some doubles majors, which is great. Um, she's won two doubles titles this year, so
1: back to back, you
0: know, yeah, uh, that's a fun one with Diane Perry as well, one-handed backhand, um, but <laughs> just had to throw that in there. <laughs> but, <laughs> It's sure. a beautiful
1: backhand, like I really like it really is shes she yeah. upset Kratik in the first round of the twenty twenty two French open and she just has a very elegant you know aesthetically pleasing type game,
0: yeah, for sure, um, and then you know you know I look at someone like Lynette, I think this is a good opportunity for her contemplate hasn't been playing her best tennis and um you know- Lynette with the vibes from team Poland and the United Cup competition, and just in general, she can be you know a dangerous player, you know, I remember she beat Jabor last year at the French Open, and she can generally play on. Most surfaces, I love her backhand. And you know, I think she could she could actually do some damage with this draw that she's got. Um, I think that Garcia section with Fernandez, I mean, that's a tricky first round for Layla Cornet. I mean, mm-hmm. talk about someone who's just made a career on upsets at, in the first <laughs> few rounds of majors, particularly last season. <laughs> I mean, that was just almost every major she had these scalps
1: yeah she's known for digging in and kind of causing upset even if there's not really much one like there because fernandez isn't seated either and hasn't been playing wonderful in the past six months but uh i mean partly due to injury but interested to see how that one goes i'm sure it'll be a long one with some interesting rallies and using all parts of the court all parts of the court but i do have to say on paper this looks like a pretty grand opportunity for garcia to kind of Really step into her potential, the potential that Andy Murray set forth for her.
2: <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> yeah. th- the draw does not look bad. I mean, I know we just talked about Fernandez and Corne, and she would win. She would meet the winner of that match in the second round. But beyond that, I mean, you got Arena Camelia Begu, which would be the highest seed she could face in the third round. And she's been playing relatively well. I believe she made a semi-final in one of these lead up tournaments yeah. um, before the Australian and then Contevite. Would be a potential fourth round, but she might not even make it that far. So I I want to see Garcia get out of this section just to confirm that I'm not crazy for thinking that she has a second chance to kind of affirm herself as everything that people have seen her to be. Which, I mean, people have called her to be a Grand Slam champion, and I think she can do it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I have no doubt her game is there. I mean, it's just... You know, and, and she has put together a really consistent stretch now. I mean, if we go all the way back to when she won the French Open doubles last year, I mean, you look at her winning Bad Homburg, qualifying and winning Cincinnati, that right there was mm-hmm. so impressive because that was seven match wins in a row. The really only bad match that she's played in that stretch really significantly was the Chiborah match in the U.S. Open semis. She really just didn't show up for that one. But um, I definitely think if she's in that position again, I like her a lot now because having won the WTA finals, having had, having tasted glory at the second highest level, um, you know, and being four in the world, she, she, it feels like different from five years ago when she actually just got there based on a few good results at the end of the year. This feels, this feels like she's found a replicable winning formula. She's now committed to taking those returns early coming in. And this is her style. There's no wavering from it now. And I think you just have to be super confident when you're playing that kind of game, because if you're even just a little bit off, it can, it it can be ugly, but Mm. when she's (laughs) connecting and, my goodness, some of the serves, obviously, she, I think she was the tour leader last year in Aces, the stats mm-hmm. were out, um, and yeah, had one of the best first serve percentages, and uh, just, yeah, and that's across all surfaces, so I, I'd love to see her get out of this, get out of this section, and she's been pretty reliable, really, I mean, I think this week she lost to Benchich, but I wasn't too concerned, that was a, you know, very That's quick not a bad loss,
1: necessarily, yeah, and could have gone either way.
0: And that's probably going to be beneficial anyway, because that gives her some more to rest and time and get used to the Melbourne conditions. So, um, that's- I think
1: confidence plays a big role into like why she's been in this stretch. But I think if she really wants to capitalize on the stretch, she just has to focus on being as clear as possible. And I think her kind of committing to one play style, which is aggressive, get to the net, take everything early as much as I can and utilize my serve. If yeah. she has, like, a very clear game plan with the draw that she has, I can see her going far. If she just believes in it, you know, it'll happen for her.
0: Yeah, for sure. Man, I I really just don't want to go with all these seeds. Like, this is, <laughs> this is not the WTA I know, you know?
1: I know, right? The WTA will definitely make a fool out of you as soon as the first match is, like, live. <laughs> like, but wait, I didn't I...
0: even see that. I really want the seeds to do well because I think it, it'll just—I mean, imagine if we have the ATP just all unseeded players, and we have, right? <laughs> we have some. I mean, it's just going to be quite the flip. So, uh, yeah, I would—I would love to see how tennis Twitter reacts to that as well. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I—I'm really tempted to pick Garcia to get out of this section, and I think I'll just—I'll—I'll go with like—I'll go with like, I'll go with like Uh something about <laughs> Kazakina is, like just not really. Um, understood i mean i you know she did make the french open semis last year but uh yeah
1: that's her that's more her playground than i think now she's not a bad hardcore player but i think her style of game the clay rewards it tenfold more than the hard courts do
0: yeah that's definitely true i mean you do also have like puskova christia i I don't feel too great about puskova right now not Um, at all Particularly the first half of this season, she's not been not been great. So it's usually the second half when she tends to find some form and really pick up some wins. But
1: for a player that's been kind of famous for not having emotion, she seems even more emotionless out there, which is kind of crazy. Like she just, I think she goes on the court and realizes that, like, in order for her to get her best out of her game, she has to kind of be more centered. But even like, (laughs) even (laughs) that, even that looks a little weary these days See, i'm not sure what she's doing out, out there i'm really not
0: yeah i i just watch her play i'm like move those feet man <laughs> <Move>
1: those feet. <laughs> like it's like her shoes are too heavy or something like i don't know i don't know
0: yeah you know the ball striking is there you can hit aces but move those feet like <laughs> um but yeah i mean if we just go I, I guess now we're getting to the last section and i, I find this section quite interesting with on strip board obviously having made those two major finals back-to-back, but also just her in general uh, coming into this tournament. She didn't play this event last year, so quite a really good opportunity for her to pick up points. Obviously, I mean, no one really has a bad thing to say about Jabor, just as a person and just, you know, the what she represents in tennis and all of that. And, you know, would just love a deep run from her. But, I I mean, and I do like her to draw somewhat, but but then she's got some tricky opponents. Like, Van Rousseau is just so not easy. I mean, with her... With the way she's been playing lately, and also just you know, I think she's found some really good form, having played in December and getting a lot of match wins. I mean, troubled Sabalenka for a little bit in her title run as well, mm-hmm. and she tends to do well in. She, I think, she did well last year as well. So I think she uh, she
1: actually lost to Sabalenka in a pretty yeah topsy turvy three set match.
0: Oh yeah, was that the one where Sabalenka like jumped? <laughs> like, only only a double
1: faults. Yeah, yeah, that was
0: the one. I think she came back from a set down to win that one. But yeah. And then you also have Kanepi in there and Kanepi being seated instead of. I know, right? <laughs> so, um. But, Spare a you know, thought for
1: Venus Williams, too, because Venus Williams oh, yeah. would have gotten Kanepi in the first round. I'm kind of glad we dodged that bullet, but <laughs> I do want her to be healthy.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but my goodness. I mean, I mean, also, you do have Stephens in that section. You have Haddad Maya. Man, I don't really know what Stephens is doing these days, to be honest. Uh, first two matches of the year were a little ugly. I guess that.
1: the one thing i can say about sloan stevens that gives me a glimmer of hope like i'm not necessarily picking her to do anything spectacular at this tournament although this is the 10-year anniversary of when she made the semifinals which is another crazy fact that we've been that i've been like in this tennis world for a solid almost two decades like (laughs) it seems like it seems like just yesterday she made that semi but anyway she teamed up recently with uh rafa nadal's ex-coach
0: Francis-
1: francisco roy Yeah, francisco roy for me for when a coach has been around the level that nadal exerts and like his ability to kind of be a top player and maintain that it doesn't make sense realistically for him to go to somebody who he doesn't believe has any better tennis in them you know like from yeah. that to me that seems that there there must have been some kind of conversation or some showing of effort which is something that sloan stevens kind of struggles with at least from a television perspective it kind of seems hard to believe that she's fully engaged in some matches but that might just be a personality thing right um but something tells me that she's in that and i've used this analogy prior she's in that that uh this kind of sector of her career where she's tinkering with things like she just changed her racket, the new coach, stuff like that. And I believe people have said they've noticed some kind of technical changes on her forehand. When you do stuff like that, I do believe you don't necessarily see like the fruits of your labor automatically, especially with tennis when you have to be in a groove of something like that. So hopefully this is her kind of retooling some things for a, really good push. I'd love to see that. That's me being super optimistic and hopeful, but all of that to say, is I don't necessarily see it benefiting her in this tournament, but just a, a spare thought for Sloan Stevens.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think we can still see it uh, down the road as well, you know, rolling. Yeah. Goals. Right. Um, I, I mean, that's where, that's where she really tends to shine, even when she's not playing her best. So I look, I look at her there and I think uh, she could put up a really good performance on the clay. Her
1: tennis has been beautiful there for sure. But in terms of did we did we talk about the section prior? No, Sab- we didn't.
0: I was actually just gonna say we completed okay. that <laughs> section. That's my bad, actually. But uh, it's just scrolled a little too far down. But I mean, if you have Sabalenka and Benchich in that section, you have some interesting first rounds. Muguruza and Mertens is quite an eye catching one. I mean, you got Georgie and Pavlyuchenko. Good to see Pavlyuchenko, put back, uh, you got some Americans in there. Lauren Davis just won a title this week. Mm-hmm. Rogers as well. Rogers is always a dangerous uh, second third round match with these top seeds. Um, but you know what? I I'm really tempted to think that Arena Sebalinga's. This is gonna be a really big opportunity for her, just because. I mean, last I, I mean last week she usually has like 15 or 20 minutes stretches where just she just looks un, unstoppable, unbeatable, and then she has a 15 minutes where she just can't hit, find the court. But last week I saw less of those 15 minutes where she couldn't find the court, and more of the times where it was just really out of her control. I remember even the Noskova final; I really thought. I was waiting for her to get tight at the end of that second set when Noskova raised her level, and she just stuck in there. And I I, I think the reason why I put so much stock in that title and win is just because it had been so long since she'd won a title, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. to go all the way back to like 2021 Madrid when we saw her beat Barty, and they had somewhat of a really good rivalry that year as well. But, you know, I just look at her now, and I just feel like there's a little bit of pressure lifted off of her shoulder in some way because even though she hasn't got that slam, and we, we all know she has the game to do it, it's just... I feel like she's enjoying her tennis a lot more. She's fixed the serve biomechanically. Fewer double falls just in general. That's the biggest thing. And it just looks like she's genuinely just enjoying playing the game and the process of it. So...
1: I'm leaning in. I'm I'm leaning into Team Sabalenka here just because you got to think about the story arc, you know, like think about literally at Adelaide in 2022, how my goodness, how like anxious and sad and upset she was because she couldn't get a serve in the box. And then fast forward 2023, she wins that tournament. I dare say wins the Australian open. I just, I'm I'm leaning into it as much as I ever have been. And I think she feels confident and secure in her tennis. Finally, she's always going to be a little crazy out there. Like she says, she's always going to be feisty and fighting, but I think she's secure in the level of her game. Because honestly, if you really look at it, there were certain chunks of 2022, where she probably played the worst tennis of her career, of of her professional career. I think she would, she would admit to that. And yet she still finished top 10 in the world. Like, comfortably. I think that juxtaposition of playing so badly, but still being able to really perform at the biggest moments, like defending your semifinal at the US Open, getting to the the final WTA finals in Fort Worth, she kind of feels in a way like she's playing with house money. Like she's done the hard work. She's kind of been at her quote unquote lowest of the lowest and still persevered. And now she's, you know, looking forward to to knocking some goals off of her list that have been there for a while, and I think she can do it. I'm I'm, I'm looking at her to really make a big splash at this at this Australian Open. And I, I have her going through that section. I'm not even like I'm not even trying to pay too much attention to the to the names around her. <laughs> That's because I'm yeah. leaning so far into Sabalenka here. Hope she doesn't make a fool out of me though. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, I I certainly hope. I, I yeah, I, you know, I feel I, I share a lot of those same sentiments, and I just feel like it, it really doesn't matter who she's across the net from. Like I mean, we saw what she did to Sviantek, even in the W, even in the U.S. Open semis. I mean, she was like eight points away from winning that match, and like, and, and even the year before against Leila, it's like she just comes so close, and it's, it's, it's hard for me to envision a world where she doesn't at least win one. Like it's just, you know, and and, and she's Same. been on the tour for so many years now, and she's still only twenty four. It's like, it's like she's got you know, such a good resume outside of the majors now, like four 1,000s, like, you know, one...
1: I think she's been to eight... I think she's been to 18... Maybe nineteen, including the final in Adelaide that just happened. Nineteen career WTA finals since yep. twenty seventeen, and she's not even twenty five herself yet. Like that's yep. a that's that's really impressive. And she does have three semifinals to accredit in grand slams, but even still, even with all those accolades, it feels like there is still um, an upper echelon that she can kind of reach. So I'm excited for her.
0: You know, and and if she does play Jabora in the quarterfinals, she has a very good mm-hmm. record against her, and she beat her at Wimbledon, and she also beat her at the well, you know, at the WTA finals, and mm-hmm. I just think she has way too much power for Jabor when she's playing well. So I just, you know, I look at that section, and you know who's another name that really intrigues me in the in the Jabor section? I who's actually that? don't have Jabor getting out of this section.
1: Me either, actually.
0: <laughs> I, I, I really don't. I, I don't know. This might surprise you, but I'm going to be a little bold. I'm going to go for Donna Vekic.
1: I knew you were going to say that. I felt it. I felt it. Yeah. Because I, I, I can... I can see it. Because
0: I I watched her play last year in San Diego, okay? And the thing is, like, I saw a different player. Like, I know she's been to, you know... I I know she's made that U.S. Open quarterfinal and she's made a few other deep runs. She was once a top-20 player. But something just about her mentality has just shifted a little bit. Like, she just has a little bit more belief. The serve is a little bit bigger. That forehand is a little bit more terminating now. And it just looks like... And I, I think she also pushed Iga for. She took a set off of Iga in that final. And she the way she beat Danielle Collins that day was so impressive to me because there were so many rain delays in San Diego. It, like, never rains in San Diego. And that day, <laughs> when I was going, it just had to. And it was just, like, it was just so much start and stop. And I believe that she had to play both the semis and the final in the same day. And I was just, like, I mean, she, I mean, she was outside the top 70, and it's, like, now I'm seeing just a few more signs of where – and she hasn't done anything spectacular at all in these lead-in tournaments and, <laughs> you know, hasn't really had any form whatsoever, but I just – you know, I like her section of the draw also because very winnable first round. Second round is against Samsonova, who's been a little like up and down, been a little bit shaky closing off some of these matches. You know, and, and obviously, you know Samsonova is a, you know has one of the best forehands and serves, and she's probably inevitably going to climb up in the rankings later this year. But you know, I, I don't know, and also I think she's getting a lot of help and consultation from Pam Schreiber as well, who mm-hmm. I had on this podcast, and she's a big believer in in Vekic, and I don't think someone of Pam's status in the game would say something like that lightly if she didn't see it and believe it herself with her own eyes. So mm-hmm. that that also gives me a little bit of, bit of confidence as well because, I mean, yeah, I think uh, Pam has a good eye for these sort of things and she has a lot of good inside information. But um, yeah, I also look at like Hadad, Maya, players like that, but I just, I don't have that much faith in Jabor right now and also just her fitness is a little shaky to me. So I'm going to go with Vekic and Sabalenka to get out of that section and I'm picking Sabalenka into the semis.
1: I'm totally with the Vekic hype train. I think when I've watched her play, there's something special about the way she hits the ball and uh throwback alert. She reminds me of one of my favorite players from the mid 2000s, Nicole Vidasova, And I've oh, always okay. kind of wanted, yeah, her name yeah. starts with the, her name, her last name starts with the V, Vekic, Vidasova. They kind of remind me, I play with the Yannick's racket. And I've always kind of wanted Vekic to pick up where Vidasova left off, but I see Becky's getting through her first two rounds, but I, if she makes it to the Beatrice Hadad Maya third round, which I want to see, tricky. yeah, it's going to be tricky. And I, I actually have—I don't know where this came from. Maybe sometimes I, I see players' names on a draw, and they kind of like do like a little glow thing to me. <laughs> this is what this is what happened with uh, Beatrice Hadad Maya. I'm picking her to go out of that section. I am, and I'm picking her to meet Sabalenka in the quarters. I'd like to see that.
0: Oh, that's the yeah. You know, I like that pick. Obviously, Hadad Maya has been. You know, last year Canada, obviously, and then just uh, the whole comeback and journey she's been on, obviously. But um, yeah, I think I think we're ready to sort of predict our semis and finals and winner. So.
1: <laughs> this so, always gives me anxiety. I have no idea why. I'm always like, oh, yeah, I have to. I'm going on record with who I'm picking to win this tournament.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and to be fair, like this is one of those. This is like just predicting majors in general. I mean, predicting two weeks worth of tennis. It's just like. It's hard. Yeah. And and also, like, I just, like, hats off to anyone who ever gets it right, just because, just, like <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just fun being wrong in some of these matches as well. Like, you just, you, you know, you you love being surprised as much as you love being right, at least for me anyway. I, just, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to go back and just be like, see, I told you so. But I'd also love to go back and be like, damn, I was totally wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like the person who magically picked Robachna to win Wimbledon last year. Like, who? Yeah. I'd love to talk to you. Like, how did you see that coming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly um but yeah I I have I think I have Iga and Pegula so I went straight up chalk oh my goodness no I didn't just do this no way I don't have do I really have Garcia Zablanca? I mean that is oh in (laughs) the semi yeah
1: (laughs) I'd like to see it their match at the WTA finals was really really good I think I'm going to do a Suyatek versus Krychikova-Semi. Yeah, that's a good one. And then... Who did I pick together this section? I mean,
2: you had...
1: Oh, a- never remember, mind. I remember. I remember. You know, I think I'm going to go Garcia-Sabalenka as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, Garcia-Sabalenka and then Krychikova-Swiatek. Damn, so the- oh, man. It's a little bit... It's, it's a little bit like, I don't know. It seems too good to be true on paper.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, <laughs> you're you're definitely right. But I also think...
1: Wait. Can I change my mind?
0: You can, yeah. Of course. I want you to, actually.
1: <laughs> hmm. Wait, let me make sure that I can actually do this. Is this even possible? Oh, no, it's not possible. I just made it up in my head. I was going to have a... Uh, Well, yeah, sorry, take that back. Swiatek Keys semifinal. Okay. Is that, is that, yeah, I'm looking at the draw and I'm like, it's confusing me, but I'm pretty sure that's possible based off the draw. Yeah, Swiatek Keys semifinal with the other semifinal in the bottom half being Garcia and Sabalanka.
0: Very interesting. So you have. You have Kritikova getting to the quarters and then you have Keys Kritikova meeting again. Like, this is basically the rematch of last year.
1: Mm-hmm. I and think Keys going. can do it again. Yeah. Something about it. I mean, I have a feeling people are going to make me eat my words this tournament, but <laughs> I just have a feeling. I have a feeling. I have a feeling that the, 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 courts are playing flicker. that the people who take the biggest cuts and you know you know you might litter up the statue a little bit but the people that are really being the dictators out there are gonna really uh benefit from this year's australian open
0: yeah very much you know that is interesting like i you know against krachikova i really like that matchup for keys actually Mm -hmm. with those big cuts and i feel like she can just match krachikova from the baseline as well and she really took her apart last year um, and I think Krajikova just, like, struggled in the heat as well. So that was part of it. Um, yeah, and Keys doesn't mind the heat at all. So that's – that's this is another reason why this tournament is so good for her. She's
1: surprisingly, sometimes. like, really fit. Like, another, none of her time off court – or, like, she never seems – super maybe because it's the style of play that she likes which is kind of like wham bam thank you ma'am but she never seems too winded out there all of her injuries yeah. have been like body function like a wrist or a shoulder or something like that nothing to do with her you know stamina or anything revolving around that
0: definitely yeah <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm picking pagula over keys um not quite ready to go super bowl and kriziko but just yet although i will at probably some point this year I'm going with Pagula Sviantek. I just think um, Sviantek will do her homework a lot better, be more prepared. She's been in these situations many times already, made like five or six semis already, you know. And this is the only one missing in terms of a final. And I just think uh, it's going to be different conditions. Um, she's more prepared, like I said, for these situations. And you know, their overall head to head is four one. But I also think some of the reason why that match was so one sided at the United Cup is obviously Sviantek having to travel. And then she wasn't really very used to those conditions, and it was just kind of an, a gut check for her. You know the emotions that she displayed after she lost that match, and mm-hmm. you know I I, I just think and also for Pagula, this is also a big step, right? Getting to a semis for the first time. She's made quarterfinals of Australia twice now, in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. So I still uh, I, I still just especially also if that's earlier in the day, like if it's that the first night match that's on, you know usually it's still not quite totally night and there's still some. There's still some lingering heat as well, and maybe some, yeah, maybe some of the conditions and variables are in Iga's favor more. But I'm picking Iga and Sabalenka in the final. Um,
2: hmm.
1: I think I'm going to do Sabalenka Keys. I'm I'm riding. I'm going big on both of them. I think Keys if she gets to that semifinal with Swiatek, the last time they played, I'm pretty sure Keys won in Cincinnati. Yeah. I think that confidence goes a long way. We've seen some of the chinks in the armor of Swiatek. Um Madison should feel like, I mean, I, there's two sides of it. Like you know she kind of should she kind of could naturally feel some of the pressure like oh how many more opportunities do I have to kind of put myself in, in this Grand Slam winning predicament or like I'm a top 10 player again, you know, like from the depths of the lows that she had when she was like, I was at the top 70 or close to it. I'm back in the top 10. I'm, I should be swinging freely again, you know, like, and I know what it feels like to be here. So let me use some of my experience. So I hope that she lends leads or leans towards that side of it. And we get a keys Sabalenka final. I feel like the Dunlop balls would like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I think it's really going to benefit the bigger hitters who take big yep. cuts and also serve big and, also, the daytime conditions are really going to reward the top spin as well. So, and yeah, this is um, in some. That's why I like really like the Melbourne courts in general. I think it used to be like U.S. Open was slow for a while, and Australian Open was fast, and now it's just they're kind of both medium to fast now. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's a good surface, and at the same time, it's not like the ATP Finals in Turin where you just can't break serve at all. <laughs> <laughs> that was so,
1: lightning fast. I like it though. I, I do like it. Yeah, End of the year, you know,
0: for sure. But um. Yeah and then have, how
1: how do I get here to Key and
0: Yeah I mean I think you had Garcia so you you're going with Sabalenka beating Garcia in the Garcia semis.
1: in the semis yeah.
0: Yeah so that would be a revenge from the WTA finals final.
1: Which I think Sabalink is all about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah for sure and that was such a good final actually. I mean very good. good. Yeah that was very good quality and could have gone either way. It was just came down to a couple of double faults in the tie break but um yeah and I have the, I have the same thing but just with Iga Sabalenka and I actually am going to lean the other way this time. I, I know you guys like phenomenal in finals. I know she's never lost She she's lost 40 games and 10 finals before <laughs> wow. the Ostrova match against Kritikova but I just feel like I mean the margins have to shift in Arena's way at some point right and in a, in a really really big match and when she's when she finds that gear like she did in that third set of the WTA finals final mm-hmm. even in the first six games of that third set of the U.S. Open match. I just think she's going to conquer her demons and just hit right through them, the way she's been playing. And, you know, Iga, we've seen a little bit of more fragility sometimes now in finals. I mean, it's just one final and one semi, and, (laughs) you know, the Pagula match, but I just think there's a little something there um, Mm -hmm. still that there's a little chink there. Sometimes her forehand can get a little tight, can get rushed with pace. And Sabalenka... Has the belief and the game to do it. So, I'm thinking if it's not now for Arena, which is a crazy thing to say, because it's like she's 24; she's gonna have more bites at the apple, plenty more. But I, I hope so. Think I think she will. Yeah, and I just feel like I feel like it'll be now. I'll go with it. I'm picking something Arena. about a
1: gut feeling, right? I'm, uh, we're leaning into the Sabalanka train.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: It feels right. I mean, I I can't say it feels wrong. It feels like Sabalenka has done the work to kind of get rid of some of those demons. And now it's just a matter of doing what she can do on court, controlling what she can control and utilizing her game. Because, like, if you mention some of the best players on tour, if you, if you like, I guess, poll the WTA, a lot of people are going to say Sabalenka is one of the best players that are currently active. Like, when she plays her best tennis there's not many girls that can even hang with her, you know? So
0: Are you are you to the same, I
2: guess?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm picking Sabalenka okay. to win over keys. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean I think the odds and many of many people have Pagula and Sabalenka. Like in some order they're two or three. Like it's you know, it's pretty interchangeable. And Garcia obviously we just we just don't have enough of those big semifinals yet um on mm-hmm. our resume. But she's another one. Like it's her, Jabor, and Sabalenka, and to a certain lesser extent, Sakari, where it's like those are some of the best players now to not have won one a major. But and I guess personally, he's in Pushkovo But
1: yeah, personally, I want to see Sakari like really be the Greek warrior goddess that she is. But don't know if it'll happen this time. And I think she, I, I think I like her chances better on clay anyway. So
0: yeah. So I think we're riding the team Sabalenka wave here
1: we are and we definitely are
0: <laughs> we're sticking with it but it was really fun doing this preview and actually before i let you go i want to get some of your thoughts on the breakpoint netflix series if you've um, managed to see any of it or just read some of the recaps or read what people are seeing what, what are your kind of even though it's not really meant for us sort of diehard mm-hmm. weekly followers anyway
1: I mean I can totally dumb myself I mean that's kind of what Netflix is about dumbing yourself down for like an hour or two and just getting pure entertainment like I shouldn't have to think that hard in the middle of a Netflix series so I think they've I think they're going to conquer that bit of it because sometimes I do feel like the casual fan that even wants to tiptoe into tennis once you realize that there's so many rules and so many like just scoring in tennis can be A headache. So hopefully they've managed to kind of ease some of that pain that tennis, that non tennis fans feel when they try to understand the sport. Um, I will say I haven't watched any of the episodes yet. It just released, but I am a little disappointed in the higher ranked media, um, correspondents and journalists and stuff like that who were privileged enough to get early access to it. And a lot of their reviews have not been They've been either they have a tone of being like overly sour or completely missing the point of what I think the producers of the show are trying to get. And again, I kind of say that with a grain of salt because I haven't watched it yet. But the vibe is that they're just trying to highlight highlight something that hasn't been highlighted for a while. And. Uh, and try to usher in a new lens and scope on something that feels a little bit dated. We love tennis. You and I we were diehards, but a lot of other people feel like tennis is super dated. Why would I want to enjoy that? Um, And it needs a little bit of a jolt in it. And to see the people that are super influential in our sport and journalists and media kind of be like, Oh, it's boring. Or they missed the point completely. Or why did they do this? It's like, <laughs> like, I understand like that is clickbait too, you know, but I wish it would have been more positive because if you pour positivity into it, even if you kind of have to fake the funk a little bit, that ultimately makes the sport grow. And I feel like the sport is in such a state of, I don't think the sport's going to die, right? I don't think it's going to like just stop existing, but I do think it's in a, um, critical spot like in the next 20 years who are we going to look at as the faces of the sport as we've had people that have been the face of the sport for the past 20 years that are slowly but surely phasing out and i think tennis needs to be reintroduced to that so i really want to if it's not this series hopefully it's the next or if it's it's something down the line i really want something to kind of breathe new life into the sport and hopefully this is it because i mean netflix is a huge platform i mean the show is going to be able to be accessed i think internationally in a lot of different countries and hopefully that bodes well for international sport so i'm i'm looking forward to watching it and even if it you know like i said before i'll land my plane here but even if it is something where i'm like this isn't accurate or this isn't like a good representation of the sport i'm so tuned into no pun intended i can i can wave it like you know it's entertainment and that's what tennis needs more of not any curious entertainment but entertainment nonetheless <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's a healthy perspective, I guess, to have because, I mean, there is going to be ex- hyperbole. There is going to be exaggeration. They're trying to get a broader point across to a wide range of audiences who some of them have, you know, they, they never watch. They, they've not had a single introduction to the sport. They right. hardly know anything about it, except they might have heard of Serena Williams. They might have heard of Roger Federer. And that's not really the point. I mean, I saw a lot of comments of people being like, oh, they didn't mention Nadal. They didn't do this about Novak and all them like that's not really the point of the series, right? <laughs> right? So I think it's more, I, and then and then also I think I, I'm giving them a little bit of a free pass just because like the first few episodes, like I mean yes they missed like huge chunks of the year and like maybe they could have gone with like a different moments, but with like the ca- cast of characters that they had, mm-hmm. it's like a pretty diverse mix, right? And then mm-hmm. also like they're not being like for the producers who are like the cameras and everyone following uh this like they're probably just as new to tennis as some of the people watching it and this is like such a hard game to like you know like like cover in terms of like just explaining like what is even the difference between like a major yep. and a 1000
1: <laughs> 1, like, what does that mean like yeah, yeah. Like, like
0: you know what are these ranking points like like you know what are what are they really playing for like what is this
1: uh why should i care like what are yeah, all these like, moving parts leading up to
0: yeah exactly and it's like You know, why should we care about a certain player and a certain narrative? And whilst explaining the scoring system, like it it just feels like it's a very difficult sport, even compared to like F1, Mm -hmm. where, you know, it's still much more, there's a lot more easier access as well to players. I feel like players here, players, even though as much as they want like behind the scenes access, there's still just like certain things like they just won't permit, you know, when they're in the tournament setting and when they're just so self centered and so self focused, like they have to be there's only so much content you can really reign out of them. I don't think they have actually as much access as, you know, as some of us think like, and and it's hard to kind of get these episodes within 45 minutes as well. Right. Exactly.
1: There there are certain time constraints, but I will say I have to give credit to the stakeholders and like the, The bigger tournaments, the Grand Slams, I don't often give them too much credit. But I do appreciate that it seems like they're also on one accord with publicizing this. Like every Grand Slam Instagram and social media Mm -hmm. handle has been posting the trailers, really publicizing that they want this to kind of be seen to the masses. And even certain tournaments, like I, I think I saw the Monte Carlo rolex paris masters post the trailer and like really pub it like you know like that's not a tournament to the average viewer or to the average uh casual fan of tennis like you may know what that is you may absolutely not but to see really uh large people in the sport and tournaments in the sport really push and kind of be one cohesive unit of publicizing this and this series is is good to see i think so
0: yeah. And, you know, I hope we see some continuity in the cast of characters as well. So it really kind of builds on what we've seen now as mm-hmm. well. So obviously, you know, it would be good to have, you know, like Shviontek, I think is in the second half and a few other names who who are missing. And then you just kind of continue that narrative and maybe hopefully they, you know, it, it, the, the goal is that it lasts for like four seasons, five seasons. Right. Yeah. And has yeah. a
1: truthful impact, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I think we'll really know its impact. I think, you know, maybe in the U.S., maybe I'll find out when I'm looking at Indian Wells tickets and I see, you know, these sales are going way through the roof.
1: Gosh, Um, you would think the sales, I mean, I don't know. The sales should probably go down if they're selling more, but we live in a capitalist society, so that's not fair.
0: (laughs) uh, Yeah, and then, you know, and also when the second series is released, maybe right before Wimbledon, what kind of impact that has. So it's all going to be, you know, fascinating. I think I'm taking a step back from the whole, like, looking at it from our vantage point and just trying to just you know just just be like welcoming of it and just mm-hmm. just just give it a chance because i think yeah. uh, i think there's some good there so but anyway this was definitely a good chance to have you on the podcast and uh, it was good to go through all the contenders dark horses predictions overviews i mean uh, you know where can we follow you miles uh on social media since you're pretty active
1: yeah Probably too active. Um, <laughs> for anybody that, that has been listening to this, like, I can't stand that guy, but sorry if you, if you can't. Anyway, um, I can be found on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, all of the same username tuned into tennis. Uh, my name is Miles David. You can type in Miles David or tune into tennis and I should pop up somewhere along those lines. Um, you can probably find me on your, 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 refreshed feed once you refresh it or something like that but yeah i'm working towards getting some more content out and definitely giving my own colorful passionate uh commentary to the sport and hopefully taking this show on the road one day and impacting some actual atp and wta tournaments with my voice so yeah, it's been fun. I love listening to you. And like I said before, I, I like interacting with uh, all of the knowledge that you bring to the sport. I don't feel like I'm talking to somebody that has no clue what they're talking about and just kind of wants to <laughs> benefit from the sport, but you actually care. And that's wonderful to see.
0: I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time and I appreciate the, all the interactions. And obviously, you know, it's as many people as that we can have in this community, sort of bridging that gap between, you know, TV commentators and casual fans. I think that's great i think that's what the sport needs it needs some more insight some more you know information narrative wise statistically wise i think you know there's so many different niches you can go into than this broad game and that's played 47 Mm -hmm. weeks throughout the whole year so why not take advantage of it as much as you can and i think these podcasts these type of shows are a great way to do that but with that being said i'll let you go miles it was great having you on we'll definitely do this again at some other point
1: i'm all for it thanks
0: yep cheers take care
1: bye-bye